regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular features show. Hello and welcome to the Regular Features Podcast, the podcast that is exactly the same every single week. Like every week, I am sitting in a sweaty room opposite two other sweaty boys, Steve Hogarty, John Log Blythe. Hello. It's very sweaty. You're not wrong, Gav. Mm. I mean, I'm not in the same room as you, but I'm sweating looking at you and on my own behalf and all. I think it's the hues. We've all got hues going on that we can adjust. I've set mine to cool white. It's not working. <laughs> I've set mine to cool Savannah white. sunset. No wonder I'm baking alive in this room. <laughs> <laughs> and a gecko crawling across your tummy. That's a good point. I'm going to set mine to Emerald Isle before we start this podcast because it's nice and cold and hazy that hey. one is. That's our word, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's been appropriated by Big Phil <laughs> for his hue app. <laughs> um, this week, like every week, Log, what are you doing? Well, I've bought a book on psychology from Lidl, and I'm going to be taking on possibly my most highbrow feature yet. Wow. Steve? Well, like every week, I got hot and bored in self-isolation and threw a block of tofu out of my flat for reasons that <laughs> I don't explain in the feature. And myself, also in isolation, decided to make myself feel better by watching Castaway. Tell you what I'm going to do after this podcast that you two aren't. Walk up and down the street, swinging my arms oh, around. Oh, <laughs> absolute penis. piece of shit. That is such a log thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an outsider thing to do, not us ISOs. <laughs> How long have you got left? I'm going to fucking TikTok everything I do outside. <laughs> By the time this goes up, we shall be free. Well, it's not that great. You won't enjoy it. Stop trying to ruin the outside for us now. You know, we're looking forward to it. Well, you've got Gav. Did you say what you got? Said, I said what I had. That's that case, cut then, before I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking outsiders, they don't pay attention to what us ISOs say. <laughs> it's like a different language. <laughs> it's just hard to focus on you. Milk me, and then just hold me, because my name is... Juicy Susan. Someone took me to see um, Secret Cinema's premiere of Amy, like the Amy doc, the Amy Winehouse documentary. Oh yeah, which is I think I, no, I, you've told me about it. That's why I imagined myself being there. It is a really heavy documentary. Like <laughs> the ending is not great. Like it's it's obviously it's a bit of a sad one at the end. And um, but this was a premiere, so and it was at. Coco, uh, the club. And the idea was it was like an old jazz venue that Amy had been playing at. And as the, and like, I, I don't know if you know about Amy Winehouse, she used to put like a rose on her microphone stand. And as the credits were playing, the screen lifted up and there was a microphone stand on the stage with a, with a, with a rose on it. And everyone was like, oh, that's generally quite classy. Like that's really, really classy. Then it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> then a band walked out, um, and someone came on the stage and went, "Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, Amy Winehouse's original touring band, whatever they're called." And they came out, mm -hmm. and then someone dressed like Amy Winehouse came out, and, and she rose, <laughs> and she went, "Hey, everyone, look on your tables, and there's." lyrics sing along with me now to one of amy's uh best hits valerie and then the band started playing valerie and every we just watched a documentary where the ending is amy winehouse dies and then this band i mean 20 seconds later is trying to get us to sing along to valerie and everyone's just hell. sitting there just really really sad like her managers there members of her family were there because it was like a premiere and stuff and i was like i've never seen anything so horribly misjudged in my life like, everyone just kind of, like, shuffled out and went home. It was fucking God. weird. That sounds like it was so close to being, like, if they could have just oh, had it was the so backing close. band play without yeah. any vocals, and yeah. that's like, oh, that's kind of poignant, actually. Mm. But 
not only do they have to sing along, it's like, we assume you don't know any words to Valerie. Yeah. Maybe one of, <laughs> one of her more popular songs. The most popular one. <laughs> what, if she, what if she started doing crowd work as light was? I was like, why aren't you singing in the front? Come on. It's for Amy. <laughs> it's for Amy. I thought you liked Amy. <laughs> why are you watching her film? Why were you crying if you, didn't, if you don't like her? <laughs> You're right, though. It was so close to being like this beautiful moment that I would then retell in such a wildly different way. Way, which have been like mm-hmm. oh and it was perfect and the band played like a soft cover of valerie no they didn't someone dressed up as amy winehouse <laughs> came out <laughs> come on everyone sing along with me she was, she was absolutely <laughs> pissed in homage yeah <laughs> yeah it was unbelievable i don't know if we were recording when i was talking earlier about a similar experience i had seeing hannah gadsby's show nanette mm before she had the Netflix special. So we didn't really know what was going to be in it. And if you haven't heard it or seen it, it's... Um, heavy. It's pretty, It gets pretty heavy. Yeah, she goes she into some deeply personal topics. Things get violent and strange and horrible. She is like... She doesn't do the show anymore because it took such an emotional toll on her to oh, essentially have a, a breakdown on stage every single night. It was, it was brilliantly massive. It was dead good the way she did it. It was like she, she played you, she controlled you while she did it. She, mm. It was dead good, but carry on with what you're saying. Yeah, so recently I left that show just feeling absolutely like tired, like emotionally strung out. Uh, but we had tickets to go see ABBA, the immersive play, <laughs> in 20 <laughs> minutes' time. So we had to jump in an Uber... Go down to the Tate got- <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, climb into this immersive theatre experience where they'd made up one room to look exactly like the hotel room that ABBA were actually in in Brighton when they learned they had won the Eurovision Song Contest. Jeez. And then you move from era ABBA era to ABBA era by crawling through various bits of furniture. So you'd, you'd crawl through the cupboard. Yeah. This is so crystal maze. I love it. Yeah, you'd show up in like uh, in Australia, like during their big Australian tour, and all all the while we were just thinking, "Oh my God, poor Hannah Gadsby! (laughs) (laughs) She would have loved this." (laughs) The the worst thing as well is like, obviously, because you knew you were going to ABBA after, you had to go to Hannah Gadsby in your ABBA clothes, (laughs) front row in fucking bell bottoms and a big afro wig. <laughs> like gold medallions on and stuff. just pretending that you weren't excited during the last half of her set. <laughs> oh God, I hope she doesn't call us out on this. Oh. Sorry, Hannah, we, we're going to Abba after. <laughs> Could you wrap this up, Hannah? <laughs> How many more jokes, roughly, have you got? <laughs> and yeah, I, I think both experiences served to heighten the other. Yeah. So I came away from that day having felt the polar ends of what it's possible to feel in terms of emotions. At one end, ABBA, and at the other end, horrific personal life experiences that traumatize a woman out of comedy forever. If, I, if I, I'm that I'm that kind of thick, I would put those two memories together as well and be like, what was the... <laughs> Do you remember that, <laughs> when that really heavy comedian? Then she was talking about ABBA or something. She, <laughs> was, she was Australian. She was that Australian comedian that we found in a cupboard. Now it's time for Steve's regular feature, Steve Tossed a Tofu. As you all know, I've been self-isolating in my flat for the past six days. Yes. And when you've been self-isolating for six days in a two-bedroom flat, you start to notice things about your surroundings (laughs) that you never noticed before. For example, I noticed that if I open the sliding door to my balcony and stand inside the living room so that nobody at street level outside can see me, I can throw the block of old tofu I found while cleaning out the fridge all the way across the road with near total anonymity. For somebody Is to, it from an underarm? It was underarm. An underarm. Was an underarm yes, throw, yeah. And your shoulders aren't moving. That's brilliant. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so if someone could see me, 
yeah. they wouldn't, I wouldn't be giving the game away. Yeah. <laughs> For somebody to correctly identify who had hurled the tofu, they would have to have had been looking in the direction of my balcony during the split <laughs> second the bean curd came sailing out my doorway. <laughs> Then, being careful not to instinctively follow the tofu's trajectory and lose sight of where it came from, they would carefully count the number of floors and note the corner of the building from which the rancid block had been ejected. Then, if they could gain access to my lobby, through the double security doors, outside the elevator there's a list of flat numbers and their corresponding floors. The jig will be up. (laughs) Another way I could be found out as if there was CCTV footage of the event. Luckily for me, CCTV cameras aren't pointed towards the sky where most tofu comes from. However, (laughs) if the moment just before the impact had been filmed by two cameras spaced sufficiently far apart, the tofu's speed and angle of attack could narrow down its home address. Such evidence might not be enough to condemn me, but it would at least rule out other theories and speculation as to where the tofu would come from such as maybe it was dropped by a tofu bird or it fell out of a biplane when it went upside down. In either case, at this point, I begin to feel paranoid, so I lay down on the floor of my living room in case they start searching for me with a drone. I'd been careful not to close the balcony door after glibly tossing the tofu through it, because if I saw a block of tofu hit the ground and then a door being hurriedly slid shut by a one freak with a panicked look in his eyes... I would know exactly who was to blame. From my hiding spot on my living room floor, I cannot see the chaos I must have created. Outside, I imagine two, three, four muscular men running up to the freshly splattered curd in the road and pointing at it angrily. Who did this? One of them would say as they look in every direction for the culprit. He sounds hot. Who threw this tofu? I will strangle them. Then I imagine one of them starts investigating the soy spatter pattern with the magnifying glass he carries around with him in his bum bag, and how the spattered streak would form in the shape of a milky white arrow pointing directly towards my building. (laughs) Sure, I would smirk to myself. The spatter reveals the direction the tofu came from, but you still don't have the height. You have nothing without the height. One of the men might then suggest that the size of the spatter could indicate the speed the tofu was travelling when it hit the road, and blah, blah, blah. No, sorry, mate, for that to work, you'd need to know the firmness of the tofu and its age. A fresh block of silken would be obliterated on impact, even at low speeds, while an extra firm that's well past its use-by date might even bounce a few times before coming to a stop, further confounding your amateur street forensics. I've been on the floor for 20 minutes now, trying to think of an alibi in case the police arrive. I could claim that it wasn't my tofu and show them the other tofu I've got left in the fridge. Well, my tofu's right here, I would say. I'd thrown my tofu out of a window. How could I possibly still have my tofu? You should be out looking for someone who has no tofu. (laughs) After another 15 minutes, I begin to wonder. I had heard the distinctive slap of soy on tarmac, so I know the tofu hadn't landed in a pram or been snatched out of the air by a hungry, greedy seagull. But where had it landed? I crawl, military-style, out of the living room and into the guest room. (laughs) I'm not naive enough to appear on the balcony again, just in case the street was filled with thousands of people staring back at me, like I was some kind of tofu pope slash tofu Michael Jackson the time he dangled a baby. (laughs) I pop my head up above the windowsill and try to look like I didn't chuck any tofu. Outside... The street appears calm, and not like the bit at the beginning of Bird Box, where everyone is driving cars into one another and setting themselves on fire. People are just going about their business as usual, as if it hadn't started and then immediately stopped raining a single tofu. (laughs) And there, in the middle of the road, outside of a halal butcher, so that it looks a little bit like a weird vegan protest, was the tofu. (laughs) Proud and intact, if a little gritty. But most of all, unprovably mine. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That was excellent. I I thought when you said tossed a tofu, I thought you were going to be making your boyfriend a salad. (laughs) But but no. (laughs) (laughs) He showed you. (laughs) Now that's a little secret between us and the readers. Don't go blabbing about that to the police because 
um, you shouldn't you're on your last warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be throwing things. Just don't throw things out of your balcony. That's a, a horrible thing. To harmless. Do. The worst thing that could happen if it was going through someone's sunroof and landed on the gear stinking put them into a higher gear. gear and ruined their engine. <laughs> <laughs> or knocked it with such force, it knocked it into neutral. Um, and then they're just revving. And it's going, hey, 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 hey. they're not really going no, anywhere. That's, That'd be annoying. <laughs> that's, that's the worst thing we can imagine. Some revs. <laughs> Regular features. Regular features. Regular features. Oh! Do you guys remember the 2000 film Castaway by Robert Zemeckis starring Tom yes. Hanks? Intimately. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I, don't, I never watched it, but I remember all the bits I think I need to remember from things <laughs> referencing it. From the MTV Movie Award skits. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it again recently because I, I think I only watched it once in the cinema and I thought, that is absolutely fine um but then joe was talking about it and um i was like Do you know what i've watched this in cinema i might watch it um i had a nice enough time watching it really like it's about a man john who uh he delivers packages for a living he works for the company fedex which isn't that big over here really and he's got like, no particular fondness of footballs at this point it's like it's like it's like FedEx is like DPD. Um, exp- or the Royal explaining Mail. FedEx to the readers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some of them are or, thick or as yo- fuck. Yodel, maybe. <laughs> He's seen a fucking mess on some of them. But basically, Elijah turn up and be like, he doesn't know what fucking FedEx is. Look He's, at him. That prick's still using stamps. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking guy. Counting out his change. No, he doesn't know what fucking FedEx is, does he? <laughs> his trousers are on back to front. His trousers are on back to front. He's trying to pay with a button. <laughs> uh, so I had a nice enough time watching it of an afternoon. I stuck it on. Um, but during one of the least interesting bits, because a lot of it is just Tom Hanks talking to uh, Wilson the volleyball. Um, I also thought it was a football as well, Log, until I watched the film. So don't worry about it. Well, I think um, in all the spoofs, it's a football. Is it? It's ruined my enjoyment of forest matches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Easter love. Um, but yeah, it's it's fine. Like, it's an interesting film. Is it a true it's, story? You know, I don't know. It might be a true story. I'm sure that's probably happened to someone. Yeah. I, I, I did feel like a, quite a lot of the stuff that was happening in it, I had seen. Uh, or heard about, but I could have been because I watched her at the cinema in the year 2000, <laughs> rather there... than it being based on a true story, to be fair. Okay, so um, is there actually a face painted on it? Because that might be false blood. as well in my head. It's blood. It's blood. Mm. Yeah, he uh, he hurts oh. himself and he slaps <laughs> the volleyball and he leaves a handprint uh, on it. That'll do. Um, <laughs> that's your, it's weird that's your fault, you fucking volleyball. <laughs> it's it's weird because I, I, I've confused, I realise I confused two scenes as well. I've confused a scene from Jurassic Park 3 <laughs> with Castaway. Mm. Um because there's a scene in Castaway where, he, <laughs> where, where there's no dinosaurs at all. There's no, not a single fucking dinosaur. And he's on an island that looks like it could be Jurassic Park. Um, it looks like it could be Nubla or Sauna, um, but it isn't. It's just a boring old island that nobody knows about. Is that like Kanto and Johto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but there's, there's a scene uh, back on dry land um, when uh, John, Tom Hanks, comes back to see his wife, who's now moved on with someone, and there's like a lovely, uh, they say, oh, okay, anyway, see you later. And then she runs out and kisses him, even though she's married. And I thought that was in Jurassic Park 3, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not, it's in Castaway. So if anybody else was thinking that, <laughs> you were wrong. Um, but during, yeah, during one of the, Sort of least interesting bits about it. I just sort of do it. I don't know if you guys do it. I try, I try not to have my phone on me when I'm watching TV shows or films or whatever. I try and have them in a different room or somewhere where I can't see it. But I have my phone on me for this. 
And I just went onto the IMDb, the film's IMDb page. So I was just like scrolling through. I always like to check out the trivia because it's never good. And it's quite funny. And then I was like, I'll just have a look at some of the reviews for it because I think this is a film that is generally quite loved by a lot of people. But it's one of those like Robert Zemeckis films where it's just it's so everything is so heavy handed. All the relationships are like they tell each other how they feel constantly, and, and most of it that is him talking to a ball. But still, um, and it, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's basically like slapping you around the face, going, "This is what this film is about." <laughs> by the way. Um, but there was one review, and this is a real review, from, I presume, an American uh, that said, and I don't think the film is crap, but I don't think the film is good either. Like, it's, it, it, in, my, in my life, it exists, mm-hmm. and that's it. This review <laughs> said, this is a perfect film. Honestly, watch it back, and then go back to the start and watch it again immediately. Zemeckis is the master of subtle foreshadowing <laughs> and you'll pick up on things you didn't see before. For example... Tom Hanks saying, I just wish I'd been kinder to my wife. <laughs> For example, Tom Hanks drinks a Dr. Pepper in Castaway. <laughs> in Forrest Gump, another of Zemeckis's and Hanks' films, Forrest's favourite drink is Dr. Pepper. I can't believe I didn't spot that first time around. There's thousands of little examples of foreshadowing just like this. That's not That's foreshadowing. That's not what foreshadowing is. <laughs> you wouldn't pick that up by watching Castaway twice in a row. You'd have to watch Castaway and That's... then watch Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> then immediately watch Forrest Gump. All you've noticed is that the Dr. Pepper is still there in Castaway. Yeah. That, I mean, that's an Easter egg at best. <laughs> like, because... <laughs> Obviously, I, I do think Forrest Gump is quite famous. Quite famously, loves Dr Pepper, so maybe that was like a little cheeky little nod between them. But that is, I was like, that's not what foreshadowing, you thick fucking prick. <laughs> um, so I was like, but I bet. But I was like, I wonder if there are. There probably is like little foreshadow, foreshadow bits, like like you say, look, like I just wish I'd been kinder to my wife. Oh, that scene where Tom Hanks is playing volleyball at the beginning. Absolutely, and the yeah. Ball and looks at it and, and goes, says, "You're my best friend." <laughs> I prefer as long as I live. I'm just glad I've got humans to talk to. My friends in my volleyball team. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps patting tarmac, going, "I don't know what I would do without tarmac." If I was, if I was somewhere for on an island for four years without tarmac, I'd go round the bend. I would. Anyway, now to go home anyway. and be mean to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know what this film is about at all. <laughs> Mate, I watched it twice and I have no idea. Um, he, it would be, it would have actually been a lot better if he was really mean to his wife. <laughs> like, he's just this massive asshole. And then you've got to, you know, he's just a prick to everyone for the first 15 minutes. And then as soon as he's on the island, everyone's like, well, we got to fucking spend all our time with this asshole. Because everything um, is foreshadowing if you watch a film twice in a row. Everything, everything you I, see I in the think first so, film yeah. foreshadows you seeing it again in the second time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? So this guy says there's thousands of little examples of foreshadowing. So now I think I'm quite observant when I'm watching films, and I, but I'm pretty sure there are not thousands of foreshadowing scenes, right? Or at least I didn't think there was. So I, I mean, I, as much as I didn't like this guy. As soon as the film finished, I took his advice. I didn't have much on that day. Went straight back to the beginning, just put it on again, right? I don't know about a thousand examples, but I definitely did find two. I thought you were going to come up with a top five at least. We've come up with more than two just talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which is lucky for me, because if I'd gone a bit further and one of you had said one of the ones I'd come up with, I'd have been furious. (laughs) But so I'm going to read this out to you. This is the script unaltered and it's, I'm playing all the parts, right? Um, but this is completely unaltered. I went back and checked it. Um, and I honestly, I can't believe, I know you haven't seen it, Log, but you get, you know the gist of the film, right? Volleyball bloke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's about a volleyball. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The protagonist is a volleyball who just wants to bounce high enough to get in the hoop. <laughs> He loves, what he loves it. There's no hoops. <laughs> they love it. They wish they were. <laughs> Here we go. This is uh, from, you can look it up yourself. This is from Castaway, uh, the film by Robert Zemeckis. 
Exterior, airport. Time, night. Weather, yes, lots. <laughs> Rain forecast. Is... Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Rain is going everywhere in this airport. Planes are also there. Johnny drives up to the entrance to the plane bit. He looks sad. Susan, his wife, is sitting next to him in the passenger seat. Also sad. Ah, oh, John, I can't believe you gotta go deliver them packages on Christmas Day. Who the heck are you anyway, Sandy Claus? Now, Susan, no need for the sass. I'll be back before you even notice I am not there. Just be sure to have my favourite drink, Dr. Pepper, in the fridge for when I get back. They don't have Dr. Pepper where I'm going. Ah, 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 John. <laughs> Maybe take this little old multi-pack with you just in case. Ha, ha, ha. No, don't be a sad sod all your life, you stupid Susan. I'll be back tomorrow afternoon, so keep that Dr. Pepper on ice for me because it is my favourite drink after all. God, such good rising, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, foreshadowing as fuck. Foreshadowing as fuck. (laughs) John gets out of the car and walks away. Hey, hey, John, what about your keys? John turns and looks at her. (laughs) I always forget my keys. Here they are. John tosses the keys. Susan catches them. Hey, John, you forgot your Swiss Army knife. You'd never leave home without it. You sure you don't want to take it just in case you get lost and need to cut some stuff to sleep under or perform minor dental surgery on yourself? Ah, Susan, I am so confident that I will return tomorrow when I said that I will let you keep my knife. Let it be a shining example of my confidence that I will return tomorrow or else become a beacon of hubris which will surely crush us all. Oh, John, you always know just what to say. Good luck on the plane. Hope it doesn't crash or nothing. That is in the film, that scene. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you read it back like that, it's all there, isn't it? The, uh, it's all there. laid it all out. It, it, it tells you everything that's going to happen. In Hank's capable hands, though, like he just steers that ship. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Past you. yeah, exactly. This is obviously just mm. me reading that out. But imagine that was Tom Hanks and Helen Hunt. Let's say Helen. Not Laura Dern. Not Laura Dern. That's Jurassic Park. Um, but yeah, like it, when I saw it, I was like, okay, I forgave the guy for getting foresh- what foreshadowing means wrong. And I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Surely, though, there cannot be another scene like that. Because he's on the island within, I reckon, 12 minutes. You can't get him off the island. I mean, that is the problem. You literally can't get him exactly. off the island. The full film is him on the island talking to a fucking ball. It's called Basically. Castaway. Like, what did you think happens in this film? Yeah, yeah but the, I, in my world, the first act lasts 30 minutes, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's about him dealing. To be fair, I do think it would be good to see him dealing with being back on dry land. Because I think his brain is basically mush mm. by the time he gets off. I mean, yeah, that... If we're, if we're doing an actual um, review of Castaway, I think you're right. There should have been less of him on, the, on an island talking to a ball and more of him in sort of being rehabilitated. <laughs> just crying. <laughs> him just crying in a bed. <laughs> Which he's like stripped of everything except for like the springs because he's like, I didn't have no bed on the <laughs> island. Like, so he, he, he can't get his head around beds. He's sleeping anymore. underneath the bed. Yeah. And just screaming in surprise and fear when anyone he's talking to replies. Yeah. <laughs> I think because they do kind of hint at that in Castaway because there is a scene where he is driving and he has bought a new ball. Mm. Yeah. Foreshadowing. So that's at the end. Post shadowing. So, oh. Post shadowing. Oh. <laughs> so that does. It, so that, it just got. His boots just full of fucking balls. Yeah, that does imply oh, that he has gone round the bed. got a family <laughs> like, now. I'm a family man now. <laughs> He's, but he does. That's the thing, because, like, the, it, it, there's, a, there's a happy ending log, and, like, it, he seems happy enough anyway, except for the fact he is driving around with a ball and presumably talking and to it. Probably her. shagging it. Let's be honest. And right? Probably shagging <laughs> it. That's what was going on there. 
We're all grown up. We can talk about this. That's why he had to murder uh, Wilson before he got off the island because he was like, I can't have him coming back to dry land and fucking bumping his gums about everything that's gone on on the island because I did some pretty deplorable shit to that little ball. No, I can't take it off my cock officer. It'll deflate and die. I don't know how you keep your volleyball alive, but on my island... Like, John, you're not well. <laughs> like, his kids are crying. They're like, I wish they'd, we never found him. Like, we were happier when we buried him. <laughs> uh, okay. This was uh, a scene soon after that. Interior. A plane. Time. Pretty late. Weather. Pff, you better believe it. John is sitting on the plane, twiddling his toes. He is not wearing shoes. The steward approaches him. And his befud and is befuddled by the shoe situation. Ah, oh, Mister John, sir, your shoes—where they be at? I never wear my shoes on planes. It helps jet lag. I saw it in a film. You crazy bastard, John! But if the plane done drop out of the dang sky and hit an island in the middle of no place, you'd be shoeless and alone with nobody to be your friend except for a volleyball. <laughs> a what? A volleyball. And also, the volleyball has a face made from blood. <laughs> I don't know what kind of baloney you've been smoking out here, steward, but we're going to be just fine. The, hu- the steward hands John a Dr. Pepper. John pulls the ring, and as he does, the plane starts going fucking nuts. Stuff going everywhere, and everyone is generally in a bit of a tiz. In my head as well, it's like, when he does it, then the plane starts win- moving. Yeah, a window right. just flies out. Yeah. Just fucking... And he's like, did I do that? Oh, no. We can't crash. I'm just one day away from retirement, goddammit. A massive bit of turbulence, a.k.a. the plane shakies, happens and the steward gets knocked out. John has been flung all over the shop and his passport has slipped out of his nice passport holder that he had. It lands on the steward's face and wakes him up from his plane coma. John, you dropped your... The steward goes to hand the passport to John, but stops when he sees the name on the passport. Wait, this can't be your... My name? You bet your silly little steward ass it is. Johnny C. Astaway, at your service. I'm taking this plane to Hawaii, or I'll die trying. (laughs) In the film. That is in the film. (laughs) Does he actually take his shoes off on the plane? Yeah, he does, but not not a big enough thing is made of it. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, he does. You just heard it. And he also gives, doesn't take his pocket knife. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, again, it's a really, (laughs) you do know it's in the first time around because the film is called Castaway. Castaway. And and the the poster is him on a fucking (laughs) island. So I know. Isn't Wilson on the poster? (laughs) (laughs) So I know that at some point, this motherfucker's going to be on an island with nothing or nobody to help him. So (laughs) that's not foreshadowing. That's just one thing logically need. Like that's just, just the passage of time. People think that this film is brilliant. (laughs) But the thing is, though, I do think the thick people are watching Castaway and just going like, oh, my God, if only he'd taken his knife. (laughs) But he couldn't have known. I'd have done the same. I would have done the same. same. I like him. (laughs) When you watch it, you're just like, this this is shit. (laughs) But people like it because he lost some weight. And people like a film where someone loses a lot of weight because they go, there you go. Look oh, at him. Good, act- good actors, aren't they? They can act not eating food for a few months before doing a film. <laughs> good for them. Good for them. Uh, but anyway, yeah, five stars. Great film. Fucking on the bitches, looking at the pictures. You never did the second part of your... um. I know. It just it, cast a feature. It, it got. I. I do actually have a bit as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I did have a song, but it was half That's done. And then I watched the Bo Burnham special, and I was like, "Well, I'm not writing a song ever again now." So I'm never doing that. anything yeah. ever again. Honestly, that is generally how I felt after it. I was just like, oh, "This is incredible." <laughs> what well, is it? Um, is it that 
good or that harrowing? I don't think it's that harrowing. I mean, like... Hello, this is Steve in the editing suite. Just to keep you all on the same page, we're currently talking about Bo Burnham's Netflix comedy special, which is called Insight, or Bo Burnham's Inside, which sounds a little bit more like Bo, Burn Bo Burnham's Insides, but it's actually Inside. Bo Burnham, colon, Inside. Oh, now I've said colon. It sounds like we're inside his colon. We're talking about Bo Burnham's Netflix special. It's good. You should go watch it. I haven't seen it, but it sounds great. The harrowing bits, I think people are going a bit too wild on. Like, yeah, I mean, he looks a bit sad at the end. But, yeah, like, there's a, there's, this, there's a couple of songs in there that I just think are, are just incredible. I, that's why I, I liked it. Like, I think people have been like, oh, it's so, you know, it's, it's great that he's put himself he's acting it's not real that. you fucking idiots like people who think that all stand-up is real so all those stories that you hear in those are all real stories that the stand-up has been through like people are fucking thick yeah. all that stuff didn't happen to bruce Forsyth. he copied his jokes of other people like they all did in those days <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like that that the sadness bit of it is good but it's he's it's not i don't think it's real manipulative no i don't think it's that either i think it's i think it's generally a well put together show and it's a really well acted show because he's a performer yeah. well sometimes you watch a sad scene in a film and you know it's yeah. like well it's not sad because it didn't really happen why are you crying mum? Well, yes. <laughs> but i think a lot of people with this think that what he's just banged the camera on and then started talking and saying these things off the cuff and it's obviously that's not what's happened, does no. it? Like he's just an inc he's an incredible performer who's written every single one of those words down before and crafted it, and that's why I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> but people are like, oh, I'm I'm really worried about Bo Burnham. I was like, Bo Bo Burnham's alright. Yeah, that's fiction. If you've ever like, <laughs> he's you've just ever... done something that everyone fucking loves. Of course he's alright. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just had more success than he's ever had in his life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen, like, gone to a comedy show twice or seen the same stand-up routine done twice? Oh, yeah, and you see, and you see all of the yes. like, all of the off-the-cuff things that seem... Mm -hmm. The bits that make you love it, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's all scripted. It was the worst. I love that. Bot bottom, it was the first time I ever became aware of that. <gasps> and I don't know if I could have watched Bottom do that, you know? You'll never stop me loving Rick Mayle. Still, and liking Aid Edmondson, but... yeah. Fuck me, that that was hard. They, they acted it so they acted oh. the corpsing so well. Shut up! Oh no, I can't. Actually, oh, I can't hear that. Because in my head, I'd be like, you know, I'm now the person that I was just moaning about. Where I was just, I was just like, well, obviously. That's not for Vaughn. It's different for Vaughn, though. It's different for Rick Mello. It's different. He's all right. That's He's weird. earned that. <laughs> They're making all up on the night every night. <laughs> Fifth, they did like fucking 300 shows in a week. <laughs> <laughs> regular features, regular features. What is a feature coming next? Let us see. Now, if you're anything like me, and I can tell from the way you're sitting that you are, you love going to Little and buying a low GI bread roll and a small pot of spreadable cheddar. You buy that because that's all you really want, just like it's all I really want, and you are, after all, just like me. But you still buy a can of 27p Kong Strong sugar-free energy drink as well, because energy drinks have to be approved by a member of staff, and you want to make friends with the kind man. Thanks, you say, as he taps his security key into the socket and immediately hops to the woman with too many items in her bagging area. I love you, you say, <laughs> if you're anything like me, which I think we've established by now that you definitely are. You know, sorry, <laughs> you know I love you isn't the right thing to say, but you're confident that you could pretend you said something else, what with everyone wearing masks these days. So you walk into the car park, just as I always do, and you rip open the low GI bread roll with your hands and coax the thick disc of semi-liquid spreadable cheddar into the roll with a well-practiced plunge and beckon motion with your index finger. 
You know from bitter experience that the wet dairy puck won't drop from its container by gravity alone. And squeezing and flexing the stubborn tub won't jostle those contents loose either. You know this, just like I know this. But we've learned, both of us over lockdown, that the efficient motion required to break the seal of the cheese against the pot and compromise that airtight integrity of the glistening dairily-esque chode... Once pierced, its own sloppy weight will drop it onto your granary mitten with a weary slump. Having built your lunch, both you and I are able to take the back roads as we walk to our pub. I'm assuming you run a pub as I do, we're <laughs> the same person. Because this, the feeding process is best kept private. If we're being honest, there's far too much cheese in those tubs for one, for one roll, low GI or not. And every bite you take squirts thick yellow worms into your beard or onto your tits if you have them, which is the one way in which you and me may differ. <laughs> of course, I do buy other things occasionally. Uh, it's not all low GI rolls and spreadable cheese. My loyalty card would look mad if I didn't buy other things. Every now and then I'll venture into the middle aisle, even if it is a little bit chaotic for my tastes. Last week's Last week, I went in and they had a book on psychology, so I decided to buy it as material for the podcast I do with you boys. I placed my low GI roll and my tub of cheese onto the book as though the book were a tray, and I walked to the self-checkout like I was in my pub, providing table service to myself. Now, I'm very aware that in the car park that day, as I made my cob in my tracksuit bottoms and nothing else, as I fingered wet cheese into a handwrit roll, with a psychology book tucked under my arm, that I was very much a picture painting a thousand words. But what that family didn't know, as they squinted suspiciously at me, squinted suspiciously at me, what they didn't know when they squinted suspiciously at me as a chubby snake had cheese dropped into my chest hair was that I was researching material for a feature on a podcast called Regular Features. And I think they'd have looked at me with a lot more respect if I'd just shouted, we've been going for nearly ten years now, across the car park. <laughs> anyway, I bought the book for the podcast, thinking it might be... A a kind of low-rent kind of comedy psychology that they'd sell at Lidl, but it's actually quite a good book. Like, all their products are surprisingly good. So um, uh, I've got no material from it at all, so I'm just going to do a different voice and talk about sucking off spiders. Ooh, I'll sucking off spiders, me. Big spiders, little spiders. I'll suck them all off. Like in halfway through a Clive Barker book, you know. Ooh, two chapters before a big spider with my face comes in through a portal and eats me. Ooh, I go on about sucking off spiders all the time. Sometimes people ask me what the biggest spider I've sucked off is, just to be polite. And I say, you, in the hope that the person asking is the big spider wearing the disguise. You know, disguise is a human, so it doesn't scare anyone. But they never are, and they always just walk off with their faces scrunched up. You might be thinking, because I just talked about big spiders, so it's a natural thought, what's the littlest spider you've sucked off? Oh, what I can say is that I have had one in my mouth once, but I can't honestly say I brought it off before I swallowed it. You see, and I haven't put that much thought into this, and I reckon that with really tiny spiders, I imagine you probably need to put your face into a machine <laughs> that operates a tiny replica of your face. A, a face. a face that's better suited to the spider in question that you're trying to suck off. Otherwise, the way I see it, you can't really be responsive to the spider's hip movements and the spider will end up going mad in your cheeks before you swallow him. Look, I don't... I don't know. I've honestly never swapped off a spider per se. And I don't want to. I just I just want to know what it feels like. It's not a sexual thing at all. I'm just by nature a curious person. <laughs> so curious, in fact, that once I tried to practice on the mop. Um, 
and thinking the bit in the middle, if you turn the mop upwards and plant it on the ground like an Excalibur, you plant it on the ground and you comb the mop's strips or ropes sideways. I imagine that the bit where in the middle of the mop would be like where all the legs meet on a spider's body. But to be honest, it just tasted of the floor. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, what do you think you'd all like about sucking off a spider? It's a real question. Yeah. Well, well, the thing I think I'd like most about sucking off a spider is when they do a nice thick web on your uvula and they pull it forward so your uvula land on your tongue. But one thing I would never do on purpose is eat a spider after I have sucked it off. But I do wonder if that is the fear, what makes spiders reluctant to come forwards towards me as I scuttle around the garden on all fours making kissy-kissy faces. <laughs> it's so hard to meet spiders. They're not on the app. I've made, I've made a sexy spider out of pipe cleaners and a big bow in its hair, but it didn't even fool me, so I don't even see how it's going to fool a spider. <laughs> so... If you are listening to this podcast, the podcast regular features, and you are the spider or willing to act like a spider while I go at your meat and two veg for a bit, get in touch. You don't even have to act like a spider. We don't even have to mention the spider thing. Just put some money features. Just put some money in the regular features Patreon and I'll come around and shout to your letterbox. So when you turn this into a Patreon thing, you bastard. <laughs> no, just PayPal me. I love spiders. <laughs> But not, but not sexually. I'm just curious at gmail.com. And that, thank you very much. I, I, I better get off now because I sense the, the mood of the room changing, and I've, I've, got, I've got to go now. Oh, lovely new character. <laughs> <laughs> Who says we can innovate? Four hundred and forty-eight episodes. Yeah. In. Oh, that, that mock yeah. did me in properly. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be something good, but I didn't know it was going to be a mop. I spent today thinking, how can I do a voice that isn't a fucking voice I've done before? And the trick is, just put your tongue outside your mouth while you talk. It's a new voice. <laughs> you could you could be on inside number nine, because I'm pretty sure that is how they come up with their voices. They go, right, one week, you're the posh one, and I'm the thick one. Brilliant. <laughs> Then the week after, right? Who was thick last week? Oh, I was thick last week. All right, you're the you're the posh one this week then, and I and then I'm yeah. the thick one. All right, okay, that's how we'll do it. That because that is literally you're how the they do their voices on that. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that show. Don't get me wrong, but your technique for sucking off a very little spider intrigued me because that's how surgeons do microsurgery in Futurama. Oh, <laughs> I thought I'd invented it. No, they were like um, <laughs> Nintendo Power Gloves. No, they don't. This sounds like this sounds like one day I might be able to fist a spider. <laughs> Did I make this up, or is this a th real thing? They they have like a, a screen that's controlling a tiny robot that is doing very tiny micro incisions, but they're using their hands as if they are giants. Oh, that might be real. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that they they put on like. <laughs> They put their hands in something, and, th and then they put on virtual reality goggles, and then there's a smaller version of themselves <laughs> that is a robot, and the robot goes and does it. That is actually a brilliant idea, Gav. And it's not. I think it's in Futurama. I think that's how they do operations in Futurama. But it's a good. It's a great idea. The inverse of it was is in was Sigourney Weaving aliens. That's what. That's yeah. I was just reversing that. But is what I thought. Is there force feedback for the little spider? Can the little spider push back against you? Because you may. Uh, maybe that's what. That's a little spider mech. Accidentally. I'd already written too much at this point, and I didn't want to go into the haptic feedback of spider ass. Because <laughs> depending on the size of the the robot, you could that yeah he could clench his cloaca. And it would be hula hoop sized for you, and it would just snap you in half. You are right though. That like, because you know, uh, Pacific Rim. No, just sucking off. I'm not doing. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> Did you ever buy yourself a beanie? An alien name to please the queen. You can fly in and out the beehive 
the bee name beneath bee wings. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Regular Features Podcast. If you liked the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features and help us out by donating an amount of your choosing per episode. And in exchange, what you will get is your very own personalized hop aboard, ride along, fully comprehensive bee name. Oh, this is... This is one of those times where I genuinely forgot about the bee name thing. Because <laughs> it's late. And I was like, what? What, what do they get? I was trying to remember <laughs> what they got. I was like, early access? No, wait, that's my other place. Um, I've just been talking about sucking off spiders. I yeah. can't pivot this hard to bees. Lay them on us, daddy-o. Please give a bee name to Kirsten Hecht. Kirsten Hexagon. Like what? Bee houses are made out of. When you spring the bee names on Gav, he just comes out. He's, he works with his guts, not with his head. And that's that's when there the gold go. happens. That's me done for a couple of months now. Please give a bee name to Beryl Forge. That's all one word, so I think it's a cool username for Beryl. Is it, do you think it is a lady called Beryl? I would love that. I love the idea of a Beryl Forge from which barrels yeah. are made in lava. Just on a big like assembly it's- line, like all the orcs coming out of the big mountain in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or like in that big metal imprint thing that just stamps mm, down with a scissor. Suddenly there's Beryl. Like in that Jonathan Creek episode, Ghosts Forge. Oh, that Jonathan Creek episode. Yes, Gav. The one we all watch all the time. The apostrophe (laughs) is in the wrong place on the sign. And it's like, ooh, (laughs) is it a place where ghosts are forged? Or... Is it? <laughs> the forge belonged to a ghost. There you go. Ah. Or was the ghost forged and it's not a real there ghost? There you go. That's, forged, the, yeah. that's what it is. That is, that is close forged. to what it is, actually, Lug. You've sussed it. <laughs> not one of the best ones. <laughs> no, no, but it's still good. Come on, Ed. Beryl Forge. You are so beautiful to be. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not it. Obviously. No, that is it. That is it. Just because that is it now. That's You're, great. You are so beautiful. Two B, but and that has a double meaning because two B is a kind of pencil. Beryl is the name of a pen that I used at school. It's writing equipment. You go away tonight, Beryl Forge, with a writing set that you can use at school and a compass. <laughs> and a which compass has got a little sting on the end of it. So watch out. Like yes, you guessed it. A bee. A wasp. Oh. <laughs> Please give a bee name to Matthew Jones. Jones with the bones of a bee that he dug up from a bee cemetery. <laughs> thank you, Matthew. And thank you to all the readers. And thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, you know what to do. If you want your own bee name, you know where to go. Um, as you've noticed, they're getting better and better. <laughs> <laughs> and the only way is we up. don't know how no wait down like, that's like bees as they get near the end of their life they just fly off into space and don't just <laughs> fall on the tarmac and just stop moving <laughs> we'll be back next week with another episode of the regular features podcast good night good night good luck you'll need it Ooh.